and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we are a little bit biased and also a little bit humble. As uh, Eintracht has recently, in recent years I should say, uh, taken part in European adventures, we bothered to play one team from a country currently being uh, torn up by an aggressor. We visited Shakhtar Donetsk in the Ukraine. We came through over the, the round of 32 in that season uh, as we ran all the way to the semifinals of the Europa Pokal and the... And, uh, Folks, it has been a trying time for those folks out there. So we're just kind of starting off a little bit uh, muted uh, and kind of introducing everyone in the podcast and uh, saying that our uh, thoughts and prayers are with the Ukrainians. We hope that peace does come through in the end. And as to those uh, scumbags who decided to uh, think that this is a good time to try and play the big bully, you can go get stuffed. So, <laughs> that all being said, I'll go to the Army veteran himself from the uh, former uh, U.S. Army retired. That is uh, Chris in Detroit. Hey, bud. Hey, Brian. Um, good to be here. Tough to be here with what's going on. But I like talking about Eintracht. And um, sports is very important right now. It is just sports. But sports has the power to heal us, to help us, to be a motivator for us to come together. And uh, that's what we like to do here every week. We'll go to the youngest of the panel, the man in the Big Apple, a quiet apple. Though uh, kudos to anyone who partook in those uh, protests in uh, Times Square in New York City. It is uh, Matt in New York. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very, um, you know united time right now here in new york you see everybody you know uniting for ukraine i mean you see blue and yellow literally everywhere i've been seeing blue and yellow little you know posters in front of like um restaurants and stuff like that just you know showing support for ukraine i actually walk right by the ukrainian embassy every single morning and the flowers are just blowing up every single time i'll try to take a picture of it tomorrow morning and post it on our instagram but um it's a very unifying time here in New York, and it's 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 amazing to see that you know something so horrendous by such an evil mouse-looking person um, can unite so many you know different ethnicities, different cultures. Because um, you know, as everybody knows, New York is the melting pot of the world, and you just see every everyone and everything just wearing blue and yellow here. So it's uh, it's been crazy. You know, we're fighting with you, Ukraine, and of course. Uh, this man has been on some travels of late, and now he has come back to us. We uh, had this segment a couple weeks ago, and it was a killer. It is Roman in Bad Philbo, or I should say Roman in San Francisco. Yes. Hey, guys. What's up? Thank you, Brian. Uh, happy to be here after almost a two-year break uh, in exile, in European exile. And um, I left the continent right before the shit broke loose. Um, I mean, first... When the first shit started two years ago, and then I came back to the United States, now the second shit starting. So, um, yeah, Stop horrible traveling. Times. And You're ruining and, the world. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. 
That's crazy, though. You know, like uh, I have, I also, um, I was also still able, or not able is the wrong term, but I had to do my mandatory military service for Germany. And I did actually Google until what age they can still draft me in case shit hits the fan, you know? So it's, uh, it's weird times. And I would have never, ever, not even during my active part, thought that I would ever even have a thought of being afraid uh, of feeling insecure within Europe. So it's, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I still believe that uh, peace will prevail eventually, and I don't think he's that crazy, but it's still odd, you know, that you even have these mind games where you would think about, um, you know, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Where is he going to stop? Where are the tanks going to stop? And, um, and that's just some shit going on. And yeah, I, I, sh I chime in with you guys that, uh, yeah, we're with, with you guys in the Ukraine and uh, all the support go out to all the Ukrainians and Russians out there, actually, you know, who oppose this system and this war. And I think that's, um, you know, the humanitarian side that we've seen in our human species, not only Europe, America, but also from Russia. And they are the tough ones, right? We can go out and be for Ukraine and against Russia. That's easy. Nobody's going to knock our doors and get us out. Nobody's going to... Um, uh, put us into jail when we say uh, we are against the war but all those people out there in Russia or in one of these other totalitarian states that risk their well-being by speaking out so to you guys all the kudos you guys are the ones that can actually change this and um, and yeah and show how great this planet actually is Chris, um, you and I are both uh, avid fans of hockey, and uh, the NHL is the pinnacle of that sport, a sport that is played by many, many Russians. Um, it's been pretty unilateral, even from uh, that end, that uh, here here in the States where that is like uh, hockey players are the uh, kind of only Russian uh, professional athletes that you'll see around. I think it's been kind of unilateral, even from the big Russian in D.C., uh, Alexander Ovechkin, I think every single person has been uh, uh, a, a wanting peace at the very least, or has at least mentioned that out, uh, in the social media atmospheres and through their own team social media. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult position for the Russians playing in the United States or Canada because most of them, if not all of them, still have families back in Russia. And if you speak out, you always question whether it will be taken out against your family, against your friends, will your property and your money be seized? Um, I think it's important that we remember the context that these athletes and all the money they make and all the fame and the glory that we heap on them, they're human beings. And we're seeing that in, in the number of Ukrainian athletes that have returned to serve on the front lines, that have left their football clubs or their hockey clubs around the world and gone back to say, hey, I'm an athlete, but I'm a Ukrainian first. Um, and we admire that, but I think we also have to look at the Russian athletes too. And like you said, especially here in hockey, I think we have to remember that they're in a difficult spot. And though I don't believe any of them openly support what's happening, we have to be respectful of some of that space because speaking out can have dangerous consequences for their families too. So... Just because we're not hearing a flat-out uh, rebuke of Vladimir Putin's tactics, I don't think that's a, 
a endorsement of him. I think that's just trying to be protective of your family and, and your assets there. And, and sometimes we forget that because you say, oh, he's a millionaire. What does he have to lose? Well, he's got a wife and kids, just like we all have families. And I can't imagine the kind of difficult position that is for Russians that are outside of that country and see the truth for what it is. And I can only hope that more people, like Roman said, it, that, that's the hardest spot for those Russian citizens to come out of their home, knowing that they risk their future and maybe even their lives just by speaking out. It's really a testament to their strength as a people to defy a totalitarian government. I think well said, well said there. Uh, you as one who had uh, a very famous living in Detroit uh, Russian line known as the Russian Five uh, unit of players uh, playing for the Detroit Red Wings that were a very focal part of the Red Wings uh, reclaiming multiple Stanley Union. Cups. And yeah, yeah all, they- and all participating in Soviet Union teams from uh, Festisov, Larionov, uh, Fedorov, uh, Kozlov, uh, I think I'm not forgetting anyone. Am I? I I will I will recommend a, a great documentary came out just two three years ago. It's called The Russian Five, and it talks about what those athletes went through. The five athletes that, that played for the Red Wings and defected from Soviet Russia, uh, sometimes leaving literally under hails of gunfire and and the threats to their families and duffel bags of cash in the middle of the night, the owner of the Red Wings flying a plane into Soviet airspace to get a hockey player out. Uh, that was real. And that was in my lifetime. Only I'm only 37. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now again, where athletes and people with the ability to say things and, and get out are having to risk their freedom and the freedom of their families or what little freedom they have by being so famous to speak out they're risking everything so check out that russian five documentary if you're into sports and the geopolitical side of sports you'll really enjoy that and in case anyone is wondering where they can catch that and there's also a good one that covers uh uh, the Russian side of things when it came to the Miracle on Ice. I know we're going to stop the hockey talk and move right to where Eintracht is, but uh, that was available oh, on no, Fubo. No, no, no. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk Peacock, about hockey and Hopla, <laughs> Canopy, <laughs> can, uh, available on Fubo, Peacock, Hoopla, Canopy, and Plex that you can uh, stream. And of course, you can rent it on uh, your Apple TV or your Amazon or wherever else uh, you might find good documentaries such as that. Uh, yeah, boys, uh, we're all for Ukraine, and uh, I think what is most important is for us to allow sport to unite us all, and so before we get to the Eintracht Bayern, let's talk about the, I will briefly mention that still, as of yet, Spartak Moscow is still in the Europa League. They are to play uh, uh, Ball Sport in uh, the Europa League, and it's kind of funny that they were drawn with Leipzig of all teams because the former uh, uh, Spartak Moscow coach was, of course, Domenico Tedesco, who's been leading Leipzig on such a really good run of late. So, of course, they would have that there. But so far, UEFA has said that, uh, one, they took the Champions League final away. They moved that to the uh, the Stade de France in the, uh, in the north of the country. And uh, the last that I had heard, uh, Spartak Moscow is not going to be participating 
and uh, yeah, we'll we'll hope that uh, we hope that more stuff is to come. But so far, the Russians have been kicked out of the World Cup qualifiers. Um, I have not seen that UEFA has kicked out the Russian women. It's safe to say that they will be kicked out of this summer's uh, Women's European Championship. That the German that the German ladies and many members of the Eintracht Frauen are going to be participating in that. So I look forward to that and not seeing the Russians there. I'd prefer it to, if they want to do a great goodwill gesture, have UEFA put in Ukraine as the uh, filler team uh, in that case. But I do realize that that is absolutely huge wishful thinking. Um, yeah, because they're too distracted. It, no way they play. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you gotta you kind of have to wonder because uh, Russia has been kicked out of their playoff qualifiers that they were to play against Poland. <laughs> uh, no love lost there, and um, Ukraine has got to play the playoff against Scotland. And you got to think that those guys are going to be in no fit shape to participate in that competition. And you're almost like, hey, Scottish guys, can you just roll over and just forfeit the match? Take the three and a loss and let the Ukrainians move on to the next uh, progression to the next round. I mean, that's what I would like to see. And um, excuse me, you should ask Derek to- Ray that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Derek would be rather magnanimous, and I w- I've actually been corrected. Uh, one of our live listeners uh, sent me over a message saying that, hey, uh, Leipzig wins on a walkover because UEFA decided to suspend all Russian clubs from the competition. So, excuse me, I stand corrected, but that information I was running with was only slightly antiquated, but that was up to date at the time that I had last seen it. Uh, I've talked enough. I'll let you guys talk before we go to Eintracht and Bayern. But then one, to, just to add really quick, because like I think it's important, you know, that we have to learn from this as well, right? I mean, like the UEFA and the FIFA, they've been not giving shit about human rights and whatever this is called for all of their past 20, 30 years. They've been supporting dictators. They've been supporting people who, does, who don't care about other human lives that have been treated, that keeping slaves and all of this kind of stuff, whether it's in China, whether it is in Russia just a few years ago uh, for the World Cup. And uh, of course, in um, uh, uh, and now in Qatar, you know, like they have to understand that this, that sport is political, right? As weird as it sounds. And that's why they're doing the right move with uh, with um, kicking those clubs out, even though it hits the wrong ones, right? Like the players, they mm-hmm. probably don't want this, right? For the players, it's a bad thing. But it's a sign that needs to be taken. And we cannot have more Olympic Games in these kind of countries. We cannot have more uh, high-end sporting events in in dictatorships. And uh, uh, so that's that's one of the learnings that we have to do. So we can do that before they do shit and not after. Yeah. Uh, Vladimir, piece of shit over there, has been using sports as a propaganda tool, just like the Soviets did. Um, he's done the same thing. And the fact that the IOC let him host an Olympics, uh, FIFA awarded a world cup, even despite all the Crimea bullshit. Um, this is the first point where you've seen sports, a a unanimous body say, we're, we're done. We've had enough of it. I mean, North Korea gets the better treatment and they probably have an even worse human rights record. Um, so 
I mean, China just had the Winter Olympics too. I mean, look at that. Exactly. Exactly. The dominoes will continue to fall, but the world is taking notice. And uh, shit, you got Switzerland picking a side. That's how (laughs) messed up this is. And not not even in a joking way. Uh, the, the, The sports ministry in Switzerland said they will not participate in any events where there's Russians um, in any sport and uh, to speak out at that level from that country in particular says quite a bit about where we are. Yeah. And um, I don't know if anyone kind of is aware of this. So in the qualification for uh, the 1974 world cup hosted where in Roman? What's it again? In Germany. Yeah. In Germany, exactly. 74 world cup hosted in Germany. I know. Um, I know. So that's going to be a little, a little known fact about that qualification was that their UEFA, the last qualifying spot, um, was the, the the world the last qualification spot was in a two match run between the Soviet Union and Chile, and because the Chileans at that time up? this is hilarious that all this kind of you're able to have this come full circle and and I don't know if anyone has ever heard about this but there we go uh, when the Chileans happened to have Brian their, back yourself um, up a minute uh, we'll fix it in production but. You got all messed up. <laughs> oh, I got all messed up. When did I drop off? Eh, I'll I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. So when the so all uh, back all the way up. So Roman in 1974. Where was the World Cup hosted? Germany. Exactly. And the last World Cup spot. Do you know who that was contested by? No, I have no idea. At, from UEFA and Conmebol, they had a two-match playoff, and it was between the Soviet Union and Chile. Yeah. Now, it's noted for the political circumstances surrounding that. So there was a coup d'etat in Chile, and they were using the the military regime that took over, was using the national stadium as basically a concentration camp in and of itself uh, in September uh of 73 and the russians decided that they did not want they petitioned fifa to not go over there and they were told no you have to go over there and the soviet players and the the coach said uh we're not interested in this and so uh uh, chile was awarded uh, a 2-0 result uh by de facto from fifa and so this being the first time that we've seen fifa or uefa do something is at least hope that they actually have a spine, they actually have a police system out there, and not forcing horrible things to go forward. Now, we have a lot more to do going forward in human history to correct things when it comes to hosting major events. I mean, uh, Chris, in hockey, to go back to it, I think the Russia has also, along with Belarus, has facing uh, hockey sanctions. I think you can go into that, of how that has uh, uh, been even more so. Uh, the world. Uh, they've been expelled the exact same way they were in FIFA. Similar uh, ground rules, no international tournaments. They were supposed to host a World Junior Tournament in 2023. That's been stripped. So it's across all sports, and there will be more to come in other other associations as well. But I think we also need just... to look backwards, right? Because I think I'm just... This guy, because like I think... It's ridiculous that in 2018, the FIFA guys were sitting 
right next to Putin while we were already complaining the stuff that was going on, you know? So it's not that all of this happened like last year or the past months or weeks. You know, this this has been going on since 2014 when he took Crimea. And even before, there were already signs Even before it. that, it's been decades. Exactly. I even lived in a Putin then. Russia before. It's not yeah. fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't tell much because... Sorry not to cut you off, but no. I was eight. I was only eight years old, but it's not good out there. Exactly. And nonetheless, those guys, the Infantino and whatever, the FIFA people, they went there. They enabled that system. They gave them these games, these platform to show the world that they're not that bad. And, uh, and, and this is continuing over and over again. And that's why we have to go even go back. And, and those guys have to say, this was a mistake. We should have not given the World Cup to Russia. We should have not given the Olympic Games to China. And otherwise, we're never going to change. If we just afterwards, after the fact, we're like, um, we're like oh, uh, you know, we got we to gotta stand up. You know, the free world... The world where people, I mean, I'm not saying the free world is perfect, right? No no doubt about this. But this is one thing that unites us all. And we cannot, we cannot give our games and our lifestyle uh, um, ad, adverti- as an advertising board to dictators, right? And that's what we have to stop. And this is, this is the first time that FIFA has really stood up and done the right thing correct even though they've known for years they're one of the most corrupt bodies whether it's sports or otherwise they're one of the most corrupt bodies in the world and it's just shameful you know we're going into a world cup in qatar with an awful human rights record uh, where it's illegal to be gay women are mistreated people are dying getting these stadiums built and not a word about that from fifa recently And, you know, it's great we're paying attention now, but hopefully in the next, you know, short amount of time, this Ukrainian situation has worked out. But let's not just say, okay, well, that's over. Welcome back to the table. Set some standards. And like you said, Roman, sports is political. And that's okay because sports is a major part of the culture in every country in the Western world. And in the Eastern world, it means just as much to their pride and and who they are as a people. You see it at every match in the 200 countries that belong to FIFA. These games matter. And they matter for the pride of your country. That's why you wave your flag so proudly. And if you're going to invite people to that party, you better hold them to the standard. Because that's what the world expects now. The world is paying attention to these moves because they mean something to every single one of these countries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. said. All right. So that all being, all being done, do we want to talk about something that is even more depressing? Uh, Frankfurt? Eintracht? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to get right to it, boys. Um, when Jesper Lindstrom played that beautiful La Pausa to Kostic, I thought, we got this. We got this. And then it was a miss, and I'm like, ah, crap, here we go. About to shit the bed. Eintracht went on to play the match, at least physically tough, 
needless to say, against the big bad Bayern. And uh, yeah, Bayern won for the first time in Frankfurt in three seasons. Won nothing. Uh, against a lovely uh, pass on Kimmich to Sané. Oof, that was a real peach of a goal. Uh, but otherwise... I would actually say that the Eintracht stood tall, they stood firm, and we found out how we could, if we want to, play with Linz and Kostic. Um, Roman, you've been without commentary on an Eintracht match in a good long while. I'm going to let you take the bite of the apple first. Yeah, so if we just take the last game, then I don't think there's a lot I can take from that match, right? The only thing I can say is that the defense was kind of solid. I mean, like, to be honest, I mean, uh, uh, if I would recall you guys' predictions, uh, a 1-0 was better than you guys expect and I expected. Um, So, you know, from by the result, we cannot cannot complain. And obviously, we've had worse. So 1-0 is pretty decent. And only the the goal was only shot in the last, was it 10 minutes, 15 minutes? So it's not, you know, that... uh, um, that we were out of chance in this match. Um, of course, in retrospect, yes, but you know, one one game changing uh, factor could have made it and could still getting us the draw. Um, so, an overall discussion, uh, it's very tough to say, right? Because the players, for some reason, perform differently against Bayern as they do against Fürth. And uh, um, but what I'm excited about, or not, what the positive thing, so to say, is the defense kind of worked well. Tuta did did a very good job. I think he uh, he stepped up a little bit. Um, our D, our offense is not existing. Um, well, okay, well we didn't have uh, actually, you know, <laughs> we we didn't have an office on the pitch as well. But um, it's uh, it's the old problems. Or let's put it this way: it's the problems of the first half of the the, the Hinrunde um, and I hope they're just going to make the turn the same way we did it uh, um, just like a few months ago you know we just have to turn the ship around and I hope they can do it I still trust Klasner so I'm uh, I'm not yet a critic I think it's a it's an intermediate season um, we have to start changing stuff and move around uh, but they had to the Bayern game doesn't doesn't help me to either be more optimistic or pessimistic, right? So Glasner, he said he's very optimistic. <laughs> so he he saw he thinks that's uh, they got over the hump, and uh, I'm happy to be um, to be. I, I hope they prove him right. Um, but that game itself, yeah, it's um, it's not what we used to see. I th- I think you put the nail in the coffin with like how he played in the Hinrunde first was like. All were tying, where we were just tying games. I miss tying games, guys. We've lost five out of the last eight. I miss tying yeah. games, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Like, we are struggling, but like, I was actually kind of a fan of this team um, on Saturday. I, it seemed like we had a lot of energy, specifically in the midfield, coming in, and it seemed like the midfield was kind of pressing our attackers to Dortmund's defense because there are quite a few times where we made uh, Bayern look very uncomfortable on the ball and I was loving it but you said it perfectly Roman we were struggling on the offensive side of things I mean 
I know, I, I know we should have probably put Bore in. I don't, I wasn't a big fan of benching him in and having Lindstrom kind of play the nine role in front of us, but we had to make room for to play Lentz and Kostic. And Brian, you put it right, right there as well earlier. I think that was a great deal. It looks like we, you know, can do something with that. It looks like it's a very, very effective way. Um, I just hope it doesn't eliminate Kostic's ability to stay as wide as possible. I think it helps us with the defensive side where, you know, Lentz was more pr- uh, present as well. But I think, Thank God that we played Hustich. Like, I love that he was starting. I mean, I he didn't really show too much because obviously we played a, a rough, you know, we played Bayern. Like, he yeah. can't do too much on the offensive side of things. But he held his own, you know. He held his own with Zabitza and Kimmich. I mean, there were a couple times where, you know, Zabitza was getting away from him. But, I mean, Hustich was holding his own. And I think him and Jibril So can work really, really well because I would love to keep Kamada as a power sub. Granted, he didn't do too much in, in this game. But, again, again, we played Bayern. And, again, Bayern was overdue a win against us especially at home so i mean i i honestly take this as a very very positive loss on our side of things i really love the press side of things it like glass of press is definitely more and more like implemented into the system now and it's showing um i think knauf honestly sucked dick i'm sorry i think he was really really bad i really didn't see too much from his side of things but i mean he's young too so i mean he still needs a lot of experience you know but I wish, I, I mean, I think I take this as a, as a, as a good loss. You know, I think we can really turn it around when we play Hatta uh, next week, but I think this is a good loss. And I think Glasner had uh, the ability to um, tinker with the lineup a little bit. And he definitely got, he hopefully gets a little bit more comfortable with it where we can find that like almost perfect lineup where we can get back to winning ways. Chris, would you agree that this was a moral victory and if so come from a place where moral victories are the only victories that a certain other type of football can usually procure <laughs> uh sorry bud it was right there teed up hit it um do you agree that this was a moral victory what was the, what were the pauses that you had taken away that may not have already been mentioned if you had told me that we would hold Bayern Munich to nine shots on target and one goal I would take that eight days a week. That was an outstanding performance. They certainly had more shots. They missed the net on several headers that probably should have been better placed. Um, But we did what we had to do defensively to hold them up enough. I thought we were really physical in the midfield. We made them uncomfortable. And uh, Gnabry is a heck of a player, and he still had his opportunities, but I thought, for the most part, we did a good job keeping him in check. Um, the superstar, Lewandowski, was, I'm not going to say he was invisible, but he was. He was hard to be invisible grades. wearing that lovely yellow and blue armband That's on true. his shoulder. But he was not on his arm, a major me. impact he in the game like we're accustomed to. It was the first real matchup against them where it wasn't just Kevin Trapp keeping us in the game. There were other guys that were doing their job and giving us an opportunity to stay within one goal. Um, now, that being said, I hate moral victories. I think they're stupid because you come <laughs> out with, with the same number of points or, as you do with the loss. You, you got zero points, and you want to call it a moral victory, that's fine because there were some good things to take from it. But in the end, a loss is a loss, no matter how you dice it up. I'm really concerned about the offense still. Um, I told you when Jesper Lindstrom came in, 
that he gets really frustrated when things aren't going his way. And right now he's playing in a position that's very uncomfortable and unnatural to him. I really don't want to see him get in a good in a bad headspace because I think he's got a good future with his team. Um, we got to address that front end. Uh, but if the defense keeps good teams to one goal a match, we got to figure out a way to keep the bad teams to one goal or less. And that's opportunity is going to come up this weekend. Yep, very much so. Um, that being said, uh, I want to kind of touch on uh, DaCosta playing out on the right. I mean, is this one of the last – I thought he was kind of useless. I thought he was just a body that you eventually saw that was there. I thought he, as a player, was absolutely uh, woeful. I would have actually preferred a Hauga to have been played uh, where Knauf was and have Knauf all the way out on the right, personally. I'd like to see what you guys think on that. I agree with you, actually. I think I would have rather had to cuss on the bench, Knauf next to Hustic in front of Tuta, and then put JPH kind of across from Kostic, right underneath Lindstrom. Or even play, play JPH up front. I mean, Boris should be up front regardless. I'm not saying that. But I mean... I, until I really uh, Kolomane, until Kolomane comes uh, for next season, which I think if you threw him in there with what I have seen, I mean, you then have a guy who can hold things up and just kind of allow things to be dispersed around. He won't just be a guy who will score goals. Okay, I need to stop talking about guys who aren't here. I need to talk about guys who are here. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, but no, DeCasso should have definitely kind of been on the bench. I don't think he was right for this game, honestly. But then again, on the defensive side of things, I don't know if Timmy Chandler would have been right for this game either. Um, Durham? Maybe. Durham, was, Durham is like non-existent. I don't yeah, know what he's, he's doing. Out. Is he even in Frankfurt? Yeah, he's not. I don't even know if he's in Frankfurt. Um, if anything, Amali Torre. Like, Torre does pretty well, like, you know, certain points and stuff like that. He should have played more. Even, I mean, Haseba could have been fun, but I don't want to risk, you know, giving him a heart attack because I don't know how he's on the pitch. Well, because he's a boss. He's, he's the future boss. He's the future boss of the reserves and the future boss of the Eintracht itself. Uh, Glasner, that is happening, and you will be pushed aside for Hasebe once he has proven himself to have gotten the the uh, Eintracht reserves promoted for the Hessenliga. Roman, I think you can talk to us about that in the second part of the podcast because I'd like to get your opinion on the quality there. But, boys, before we kind of wrap up this Bayern talk, because, I mean, you can only talk about it so much. Um, if you take – if you could have had one I, – I am of the belief that if you had taken out Kimmich from this match, Bayern straight up does not win and it's nil-nil draw – Maybe we get maybe one of we get another opportunity somewhere uh, because Kimmich isn't cleaning things up in the middle of the park. Uh, maybe one of those half chances that just didn't come to, to fruition became a goal. I mean, I personally am of the belief that one Kimmich is the key to one Germany uh, doing something at the upcoming uh, World Cup in Qatar, and without him. Uh, Bayern is not even lifting the Meisterschale. And also, Sula, dear God, big-ass unit of a man just running around, just like just able to move that fast. Like He's a wardrobe, the size of a wardrobe. He just happens to move, not like one. Um, 
You see, that's Thank what God you're wrong, Brian. If, if, you think, <laughs> if you think if you think Bayern is based off of one damn player, you haven't been watching soccer for the past seven uh, years. I'm sorry, Kimmich. No, I you, mean, you don't even have to put who, Kimmich in who there. Who do you, you can, who do you replace him with? Goretzka. I mean, if he is healthy, okay, but. I mean, if you would have looked on that bench, I all I could think in my head was, you know, all it takes is one of their stars to go down, a Lewandowski, uh, a Kimish, uh, Sule to go down. Suddenly they are. I'm not. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, like Navarre going down because guess what? They're gonna put on freaking uh, Sane. At least they have one substitute for that. But right now, Bayern's kind of they're. they're they're very top heavy. Once the very moment you start penetrating past those first three, four players on their bench, they're just as mundane as the rest of the Bundesliga clubs. I couldn't disagree with you more. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Are you telling me that, like, if uh, if Navarre went down hurt and then they and you were hound and like something they didn't have Sane available, I would not have. They would have looked at. Mus- uh, they have like uh, four like, teenagers I sitting don't. on the reserves waiting to get any more like, <laughs> like they have I mean, so many teenagers just ready oh you're talking uh, well I mean and not even that from like the second like Bayern team like four or five players in Bayern the second team at Bayern could play in Frankfurt to be quite honest with you <laughs> our, our, our starting 11 would you know barely crack their 18 man lineup Costage and trap right now. Costage and trap because you could easily say that maybe Costage, but look how easily Costage is marked now that you know he's the only threat we have. I'm sorry if you had Kingsley Coleman and Musiala as an option, you'd rather uh, you'd rather start Costage over both of them. Uh, uh, over Coman, yes, because Coman goes down; he's out for six months. Coman's a winner though, and Coman can Eh. kill it. Kamado yeah, almost he, scored a couple times. He should have had at least two goals against us. Yeah, but well, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a I'm a Coman uh, not a hater because that's a little harsh, but I'm not I'm not a Coman fan. And uh, I also think that Sabitzer, uh, as an Austrian, has kind of regressed in uh, ever since he made his move from Leipzig, where he was really a star, and now is just being so overshadowed that he's got no mojo. The guy could probably go to uh, a certain street in Frankfurt uh, <laughs> and still be told by the, the girls in there, no. <laughs> All right, so that joke that joke fell flat. <laughs> it didn't uh, have a connection issue. <laughs> I didn't hear your joke. <laughs> it's okay. Just made just made a joke about a certain uh, townesstrasse uh, that uh, a Sabitzer could go down that and be rejected by all the girls behind each red door. Ah, uh, <laughs> and that's the most we we'll talk about Bayern on this podcast. Goodbye, uh, Thanks for the yeah. season, guys. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for segment one, folks. Uh, we're going to be way more positive in segment two, but not before we get through hashtag what are we drinking. Um, let's go with the young buck. Matt, what do you got? I am drinking a cerveza modelo because Bundesliga season's over. Time to think about <laughs> next season. And I'm ready for a new defensive woe. So, well, it's not really Corona, but find your beach. 
All right. <laughs> Chris, what do you got? All right. I brought all the sugar to the party tonight. Um, I am drinking as a toast tonight. Uh, we talked a lot in segment one about the humanitarian crisis and the military crisis in the Ukraine. So I am drinking in toast to the people of Poland tonight. Uh, the way that they stepped up and really helped their neighbors. And you see the videos of thousands of people rushing to the border to provide food and clothing. And, and of course, tomorrow is Fat Tuesday. And here <laughs> in, uh, in the Detroit area, we have a massive Polish population, a massive Eastern European population. And so we celebrate Fat Tuesday like good Catholics with a high calorie intake. I've got some Punchki infused vodka uh, from Detroit City Distillery. My Punchki infused beer from Eastern Market Brewing, just a block away from the distillery. And my Punchki from Zingerman's Deli and Bakery. So I brought about 20 pounds of sugar to the party. And I've gone through about 10 pounds of it in this first segment. So oh, see wow. if I can make it to the Holy end. Crap. I'm joking. But Goodness. Cheers, cheers to the good people of Poland and everyone offering help. Roman, do you have cheers. anything? Nah, I'm drinking, I'm drinking water. Uh, as a, I've, I've just got back from Mexico and I had... Recovery uh, mode. A recovery mode, exactly. I was like, and I'm going back to Mexico in a week. So I was like, okay, now this week in the US. And of course, when I watched the game, I had a couple of beers. I was like, okay, so when I'm just by myself in my apartment, I'm not going to drink. And uh, so that's why I just got water. And I had green tea earlier, you know, so green tea and water. That's that's my, my drink. So I, I'll take some of your sugar, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'm drinking the By last the way, of my Bell's uh, Stout, uh, uh, Scottish Ale, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's good to say goodbye to winter. Uh, that groundhog don't know shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for second one of Hey, I'm Dark Frankfurt. Went a little long, went a little political, but uh, hey, that's just how we do things. Uh, stay with us for segment two, and Justin Jeff. And we are back. Segment two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Roman, it's been so long since we've had you on the podcast. Guess what we got to talk about next on the podcast? What is it going to be? Is it going to be anything about Bad Fibel, about Hessen, about uh, under underaged soccer players? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is all about De Frauen because we it is ah. De Frauen Corner is back. De Frauen are back. De Frauen Bundesliga is back. And God, I have missed this a hell of a lot. And uh yeah, really excited to talk about the very best uh women's league, the very best women's team within a women's league. And that is the Eintracht Frauen and the Frauen Bundesliga. And there couldn't be a bigger top of the end, uh, top table clash than Eintracht versus uh, uh, Hoffenheim. Excuse me. <laughs> Start struggling there. And you know what? This is the match where the Eintracht Frauen are able to take back control of the Frauen Bundesliga. What they all need to do is just trust in the girls that uh, and the and the strength of this team it's in, 
uncanny because what we've seen so far is a much more cohesion, much more cohesion, a better attack. The team is just straight up ready to rock and roll, and uh, Nico and Co. will have this team finishing uh, truly in the Champions League places. The question is, uh, how many? I mean, how many shots will Mel Fromms even face? I don't think that she's going to face much of any. I do. I am kind of frustrated that she is leaving us. But Prasnikar, Fry Gang, these girls are going to pump at, in my opinion, four goals past Hoffenheim. But we're going to thrust right up to the top end of the Frauen Bundesliga, chasing that elusive Champions League place, which is where the Frauen deserve to be in the long term and into the future. Yeah, I mean, Hoffenheim seems like going to be a tough fight. I mean, they, oh, they have are. one loss so far this season. I mean, it seems like they're a rah-rah kind of team where they, you know, when they concede a goal, they can easily, you know, get one back. But good thing with us, you know, it seems like we're a hot team as well. We're like, you know, not only can we score one goal in the half, we can score two goals or three goals within a 10-minute span. It's just that kind of it, – it seems like it's two very offensively – good streaky team so i feel like it could be you know a very very high scoring game within terms of like a you know three four or or uh even a five four win or you know maybe we'll stay on like the one nothing side and we'll show we'll, we'll show a little bit of um you know um they'll kind of kind of pull back since you know this is a fairly big you know game to be in the top three you know exactly chris you love the frown more than uh, more than your daughter will ever uh, deem permissible. What are your thoughts? That's true. Uh, she yells at him as much as I do. Uh, when we can find them, looking at you, DFL, where are you at? But um, no, they have a tremendous opportunity here. We dropped points recently that really we had no business dropping, playing a person short. I get it. Um, but this is an opportunity to write a mistake and get right back into the mix. Uh, and it's not really going to get easier because we got a couple tough matches coming up too. We got Bayern around the corner, right? I don't have the schedule up. Let me look. Yeah, we got Bayern and Wolfsburg over the next month. So it's pretty critical to take this one to get back in contention, get things rolling, SKSS, and after that, then Bayern. And if we can win the next three, guess where that puts us in the table? One, two, two is on the two is on the table. Maybe one, depending on what happens around the league. Um, so for me, we've it was a little weird after um, after the transfer window and playing with a person short for the better part of seventy minutes, last one out. But I think you know, with everything settled now, you show up. Um, Prashnikar looks back in form again. Uh, Laura Frygang would be huge picking up some goals here. And uh, my girl, Shakira Martinez, who is absolutely dynamite. Uh, when she's on top of her game, she's hard to stop. She just barrels through everybody. And her footwork has gotten so much better this year. Uh, I like our chances against Hoffenheim. I really do. This is a positive thinking that I've been waiting to hear because we've been just negative all all podcast, nothing positive to talk about anything. All year long, since twenty since the start of twenty twenty two, we haven't said anything good. I mean, even when we sure. talked about Stuttgart, we we're like, God, we suck. <laughs> 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 
True. Uh, too true. Um, hey, you know what? If things get worse, we could always hire Mar- uh, Marcelo Bielsa. For the yeah. men's team. Come on, come on. He's at least available. Uh, I know, super watchful thinking. Brian, get back on subject. Okay, yes. So, Eintracht, uh, news and notes uh, time. Uh, Eintracht has drawn Real Betis uh, in the Europa League uh, knockout phase, round of 16. Uh, the other matches are Glasgow Rangers against Red Star Belgrade, Sporting Braga, Portugal versus uh, Monaco. Hmm, Russian ownership there. Moving on from that. <laughs> Porto, who I really, really, really wanted, but, you know, did not get against Olympic Lyon. That should be an interesting one. Atalanta versus Bayer Leverkusen. To be fair, as a neutral, watching that, that should be good. Sevilla versus West Ham United. Uh, Sevilla, knowing that they can play that in their home stadium. Yeah, that's going to be a win. That's going to be a pretty slam dunk. Barcelona, Galatasaray. You know, I'll wait for Barcelona in the next round. Thank you. Uh, it kind of sucks that Leipzig drew Spartak because they got the bye now. Damn it, if we didn't get that. But hey, you know what? We get to play on March 9th, the same day as the Champions League. And uh, yeah, we get Real Betis away at first. Uh, stadium of green and white. It's going to be painful on the eyes. But hey, you know what? At the end of the day, we have we have to beat. We can only beat the teams that are in front of us. And if over two matches that we just score more goals or somehow come out ahead, hey, you know what? The dream lives on. And Andre uh, fans love to dream. Boys, when you saw the straw, I have to ask everyone's opinion immediately right now. Starting with you, Roman. Can you think we can go through? Do yeah, you think we can I mean, like, uh, Europa League is always something different than the Bundesliga, right? And I think our turning point in the Bundesliga uh, in the Hinrunde was exactly after our performance in the, in the Europa League, right? Where we started, that's where we got our, our guts to win and where we realized that we can win just because of the atmosphere, you know, the evening, um, this, the specialty of the game, the different hymn at the beginning, a different type of team that uh, uh, probably doesn't have as many scouts uh, and knowledge about, uh, you know, than the Bundesliga teams that we play. Um, so I am optimistic about, uh, about this because I, if, if there's one thing for certain that every Frankfurt player, uh, whether, uh, it's, uh, whether, we, uh, whether we think their performance hasn't been spot on in the past days, usually they, everyone grows in these kind of games. And uh, and that's what I hope for, or that's actually my only hope <laughs> to to somehow save this season is um, that we we get into action in the Europa League, that uh, some of the players exceed, that we have a tremendous costage, you know, running down uh, the line and and Bore back in, in and maybe even Lamas, you know, who knows uh, and. Those are the games where 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 people change, where players change, and um, and and that's what I hope to see uh, for the rest of the season. Then um, next round, I I truly believe we can do it. I think uh, Betis uh, is 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 doable. It's you know not one of the. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be an easy ride as where we are right now, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, and this is gonna gonna yeah. be the turning point of our season. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I definitely think we need to play very, very strongly against Hatta on Saturday for us to yep. show any sort of confidence going into when, next Wednesday. But I mean, I, I, I'm on both. I'm on both sides of the field right now because Betis is incredible in La Liga right now. They're in third place. They are. They're in third place of La Liga. You could never, you know, you would never think of that with all the big, big teams that are in there right now. But they did have Leverkusen in their Europa League and their Europa League group stage. And I'm pretty sure one game, the one game that got either thrashed three nothing, four nothing, even possibly five nothing. So it could be one of those things where it's like, hey, they look really, really good on paper, but it's just another case where another European uh, league team is struggling against a Bundesliga team, which puts us obviously in that favor. But I mean, it's honestly a coin toss. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit more worried. I'm still more worried about us than I'm worried about Betis. But I mean, Betis is not an easy, easy um, opponent. But then again, it could be one of those situations where it's like, hey, it's another non-German team playing a German team, and somehow the German team is back on top. Yeah. So I mean, it's up to the universe to take a coin flip on this one, honestly. But I guess we'll find out more how we come out on Saturday against Hatta. Yeah. Well, don't start praying to the football gods again, because uh, we saw what happened last time, and that ended up blowing right up in our faces. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> they can't. They, they can't preach to everybody. They gotta. They gotta. You know, deal with people who have to play like City. Like they had. They had, they had to have Tottenham beat City that weekend. That's why. So. The downside definitely is of you this constellation is that the Spanish teams usually take the Europa League serious, right? So that's, I think, sure. uh, I would say what I hate the most about uh, playing against Spanish teams because Spain is, yeah, one of the nations, they really do everything. And for them, um, the title means something. I mean, the same for us. And I still don't understand why teams like Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg, how they do not like the, uh, how the Europa League cannot be liked. Uh, winning a title is... You know, but anyway, so that's kind of what what kind of kills my vibe, or the only thing that kills my vibe is that, yeah, that Spain usually or the Spanish teams take it too serious. Then, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll and see. And then we'll but take so it. do we, because our other <laughs> season, the Bundesliga yeah, is over. This exactly. is our other season. Like that's all we, have. Is, we should throw all of our balls in this court. You know, like mm-hmm. exactly. We also have an opportunity. Uh, they're in third in La Liga because they score a ton of goals. Not because of their defense. Well, I mean, they have yeah, a lousy defensive w- record. So if there was ever a team to play, we don't have to score on them a lot. We just have to score on them in one game. It's one game and you you know, you know move on. So showing up with a good performance, put some goals up. And to me, that game is far more important than what happens this weekend. But what happens this weekend sets you up. For yeah, that. true. So I will say this much, right Chris. Space. I will say this much, Chris. I did watch uh, a majority of their match on Thursday against Zenit. And I it will selfishly say I was watching it exclusively because I wanted Zenit to lose. Because I wanted the Russians to lose. For obvious reasons, if which if you are listening at this point of the podcast, then you obviously were tuning out the first part of the podcast. <laughs> but Betis, as a defensive team, they held firm, but... Oh my gosh, there were a lot of chances that they gave up. It was like having Bayern bombard them, only they're not Bayern quality. And Betis held on by their fingernails, really their fingernails, to uh, end up winning that that tie. And if that's what we have against us, 
All right, we're going to have some fun the next podcast when we start previewing that match itself, needless to say. And like you said, Roman, the Spanish take this thing seriously, and with them playing the final in Seville, oh boy, they'll have, they'll have uh, the knives out in their mouths ready for blood. But hey, you know what? The Eintracht will uh, we'll be there for it. We just don't know how things will go. Um the only thing we're going to talk about in, that's happening right now in Germany before we get to our predictions uh, for uh, Eintracht versus Hertha, because we are running a, bit, a little bit long on this one, is the matches of the DFB Pokal. We have Union St. Pauli on March 1st. We have Hamburger Sportverein versus Karlsruhe SC. Uh, we have Hannover 96 versus uh, uh, Leipzig. Uh, we have uh, Bochum and Freiburg. I think my pronunciation was spot on on everything. I'll leave it to the judges to decide. And um, yeah, I'll go right on through. I'll say St. Pauli, Hamburg, Leipzig, and Bochum on through into the semifinals. And I'd love it if Hamburg and St. Pauli met in the semifinals. So, uh, Chris, I'm going to go to you since you were the last one to speak on the Europa League. I'll get your predictions for the Pokal now. I like chaos. St. <laughs> Pauli. Four uh, top division Hamburg. teams and four second division teams. It's wonderful. Uh, I'm going to go St. Pauli, Hamburg, Hanover, and Freiburg. Boom. Hanover. Matt, go for it. I mean, I think Union's going to beat Sao Paulo because I think Union is going to complete their like historical story where they just kind of rose up fairly fast and now they're winning a, a title. Um, I'm going to go Hamburg over Karlsruhe because I don't even remember Karlsruhe being any sort of good since Mike Frank, honestly, which was like God knows how long. I think that was his name if I remember correctly. Um, Leipzig over Hannover 96, I think that's an obvious one. And then I think Freiburg over Bochum. Um, I think that I, if I were to put my money on a winner for the DFB Pokal, I think I'm going to go Union. I'm going to root for Union Berlin. All right. And Roman. Yeah. I think I'm, I know where you're going with the uh, early match, the March 1st match, which is Union Berlin and St. Pauli. I think I know where you're going with that, but I would so love what do to you, hear what do you think where you feel going? with the other what ones. You, what do you think am I going I feel like I'm alone with cheering on the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry for yeah, that. Yeah, I think you're going with Eisen Union. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically I'm 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 copying right. So Union is definitely gonna. I I, I think Union is gonna win to Pauli, even though I would like to see the winner of the DFB Cup in this match, right? So I think the the. But now first, before I do the prediction. It hurts to see. I hate to see this because I think not ever has it been so easy to win the Dave Pokal than uh, than this time. And whenever I see this, is I'm like, why are we not in there? You know. So um, <laughs> that that's kind of it's kind of the starting Thank line. Thank you, Mannheim. Yeah, uh, un- unbelievably, you know. It's like, but anyway. So Union is going to win. Uh, I also think Hamburg is going to win. Leipzig is going to win, and also Freiburg. So I'm. I think it's. Um, I even would put some money on that, you know, maybe like a euro. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, um, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, and the winner of the cup is either going to be Union or HSV. I oh, know, actually, no, I wow. think it's uh, Leipzig probably. Leipzig or Union. Those are my... Nobody likes Freiburg. I would say Union or Freiburg. I don't know if Leipzig's going to do it. I don't know why. I feel like they, I feel like they could choke. 
somehow in some way. Yeah, but I think Freiburg, it would, it they, would they be seem Hanover to play big to, right now. Just, uh, it would be Hanover. But they just got they got Hanover a good run right now, right? So that kind of what annoys me. Leipzig, they are in a run right. with Tedesco. They got the coach that they need. They, mm-hmm. It works. And uh, he's they're going to take this serious enough. I mean, in the in in, in the quarterfinals, you know, there you 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 take everyone takes everything serious. You know, there's no, you know, so it's um, I think in Leipzig they're not going to have. I mean, against Bayern or against Dortmund or maybe even Frankfurt, they might skid. But I don't see where which team they could actually skid to other than Union, you know, and maybe Freiburg. But even I mean, player by player comparison. I mean, I I would agree. I I think we all agree that Leipzig is uh, is is the winning one. So um, yes. we, we need we need other factors, and I don't know if 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 those are strong enough. Unless Union with a home crowd, with the luck of let's say quarterfinal, uh, semifinal Union against Leipzig. Um, or of course, you know the DFB Pokal finale in Berlin. Uh, that that may be that may be a factor. But other than that, I think I have to. I'm sorry to say, as much as I would like to live, uh, uh, as much as I would like to win, have Hannover win against Leipzig, but I don't think this is going to happen. Don't think it's going to happen at all. Let's talk about our match. Well, there's not really much to talk about our match. Look at this moment in time there's nothing more interesting than uh playing a team that looks like they are about as dead in the water as you can ask for um i spoke this week on talking to talking talking foosballs uh (laughs) i spoke to talking foosballs matt herman and asked him uh how bad is hertha right now and he said you know if we were in the zoita liga we'd be mid-table at best that's currently the way that this team is playing, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I actually think that Eintracht will win. I think it's going to be ugly, and the scoreline will cover the fact that it is the ugliest of ugly matches, and I think that the Eintracht wins 2-0. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, right now we are the favorite to win. We're at plus 110, win on the money line. Hats is at plus 240, and the ties at plus 240 so we are the favorites in this game the only thing i'm worried about is we love to be the team that gives other teams their wins when they're due and hatta has not won a game since they played dortmund um in the last game or like the last game of the hinrunde i mean they are due a win and we are that team that's that gives teams, you know, wins when they're due. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we lost this game. But then again, I do expect us to come out way stronger in this with, like, um, you know, a better lineup or kind of possibly the same lineup. So, I'm actually going to say it's going to be a low-scoring game, one nothing for the Eintracht. And uh, hopefully we get our uh, second win of the year. All right. Chris. All right. So I put a lot of thought into this and I, I'm going to make this statement and I know it's going to bite me in the ass on social media come Sunday afternoon. Over under two and a half, but by I the believe, way, Chris. What's that? Over under two and a half, by the way. I'm taking the over and I will tell you why. <laughs> there is one man who is going to take us to new heights this weekend. And that one man 
is the governor of the island on which Brian has resided this entire season. Are you freaking kidding Daichi, me? Daichi Kamada loves to play against Hertha Berlin. It's true. And but he's played well off. in that stadium a couple times, too. So I believe he is going to lead us to a 3-0 win. Someone's been drinking too much. Roman. I'm loaded on sugar right now. It's that yeah. Polish drink. Yeah, I would, I would, I would need some sugar. But okay, yeah. I mean, everything important already has been said. Obviously, like we like to lose against Berlin in our situation. First of all, I always my worst games in the stadiums were like with Berlin when we were like when we played well and it looked like we're gonna win, and then for some reason they score. This is like what's in my memory ingrained. It's like so many times I'm standing there and I'm seeing a great Frankfurt game, but then at the end, who scores? It's fucking Hertha. But I think the most important part is in this, I, I do not know, is what is the problem in Berlin? I, I, I don't really follow them. I mean, besides checking the score at the end, but I don't know what's wrong. Is it within the team? Is it... Uh, so, so why are they where they are? Because here again, on paper, they should be further up or they should not be uh, having those problems. And even with the new... Uh, um, impulses that were made you know with like the investor and with uh, Bobic and uh, even a new coach so a lot of stuff uh, has happened that I don't know why they still don't don't get it I mean they, they restarted a couple of times and and they always stalled and, uh, and and typically Frankfurt would be the one we're going to lose to them uh, and and they they're gonna relegate anyways. It's one of these lost games, you know. That like für Bremen, you know, name it. We love we love to do that, you know. Like everyone else wins, but hey, why why why? You know, somebody has to donate some points to the poor, and uh, so that's kind of what I fear a little bit. However, uh, we obviously we need to win, and and I just want to put in one thing. Uh, I think that's an interesting story is that when Bobic was uh, was still running for Frankfurt and we were looking for coaches, Typhoon Korkut was always in discussions, right? I remember this. I was why? like, who came? I was like, why would why would somebody come up with Typhoon Korkut? And when, when he ran now Hertha Berlin uh, and, and, and the first coach he hires, so to say, is Typhoon Korkut, I'm like, God, am I glad that we got rid of Bobic because like this guy... He, Typhoon was always, uh, and I think it was his favorite candidate. And I think he he wasn't able to uh, against you know maybe even the Hübners and the uh, the guys to to get him through. But I'm I'm glad he's he's not our he has never been our coach. Um, and I think we all see why. And I want to and that's why I also want Frankfurt to win. Or we need to win because um, we got to show Bobic. You know what he left, and uh, and and the kind of misery he's in, and that he's not capable of of managing the 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 shithole of Berlin. You know, because like the real Berlin club is Union, and we all like Union. That's true. That's true. I will bet that way more so than the other. Ber- well, I kind of like that Turkish club. I think that they're kind of interesting. Uh, it's definitely the best of the Eastern. Uh, uh, Berlin clubs. I'll just leave it at that. That is all the time that we have this week for Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Roman for coming back after so long away. Well, thanks. Love to, you, bud. Thanks to the situation all around, you know, pandemic and travel, <laughs> and, you know, so otherwise I would be still be sitting on the other side of the ocean. 
yeah, we'll we'll talk about Bad Fable and the Hessian Liga, uh, probably in the, like the next podcast because I think that's a good discussion point that only you can kind of talk to us about what Eintracht Reserves can look forward to in 22-23. Where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? You find me on Twitter on SF Bay Eagles. Chris, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world and in the world itself outside of uh, Yoast Arena? Uh you're dead to me right now, Brian. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, uh, hey! If you I pull out, be... if you pull it out over three games this weekend, um, I don't think I can be able to even contact you because you'll. Um, We're going to lose subscribers with all this hockey talk. We'll talk <laughs> offline. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so I will be on the Peloton for more than two hours tomorrow after all this sugar. So hit me up on Peloton, Twitter, all the social medias at C and the D three one three. Matt, where can we find you? You can find me at wag m a or wag underscore m a on Twitter. Then you can find us on the Instagram at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. And I also want to quick give a, a quick shout out to Kansas City Beer Company, Detroit City Clubhouse, and Legends NYC for hosting us this weekend. Um, we'll probably be making more visits for for game day, so uh, make sure those kegs are filled. Exactly, exactly, and make sure to uh, for if you happen to be in the New York area, like uh, Matt has mentioned, uh, take a uh, leave some flowers or a card for the your local consulate general or embassy if you happen to live in DC. Uh, for that at the Ukraine, the one in uh, New York is on uh, two forty East Forty Ninth Street. And uh, the one in D.C. happens to be on, uh, God, what is it, uh, three, uh, 3350 uh, M Street Northwest in the Georgetown Commercial District. And I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. Follow us on Facebook.com slash HEFPod for all the latest Eintracht news and information. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt is now on Instagram. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. Easy to follow. Uh, hey, Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com is where you can drop us a line whenever you like. Uh, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Show us to other Bundesliga fans because I'm sure uh, they cannot get enough Bundesliga discussion in the English language. They only have to fast forward through the uh, heavy Eintracht bits. But of course, if they are Eintracht fans who have yet to uh, follow this podcast and you know them, share us with them. This is a podcast made by the fans for the fans. So we'll be back next week to discuss Eintracht versus Hertha and to preview Eintracht versus Betis along with Frauen Corner and so much more. Until next time, choose. Oh,